Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now, here's your host, award-winning certified exit planning advisor, Julie Keys. Welcome, everyone, to Poised for Exit, the exit planning podcast show for business owners. In today's show, we are going to talk about sales. We're going to talk about sales process, sales systems, and all the things that owners really need in order to have their best year ever and to position themselves for a future exit. If your business needs improvement in the sales department, you won't want to miss this show. It's coming up right after we hear from our show sponsors. Right now, there's a record number of buyers looking for businesses, and many businesses are selling at a premium. To get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth, contact a broker at Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880. We're Minnesota's largest seller of companies. Let us help you maximize your life's work. Call 612-455-0880 or visit sunbeltmidwest.com. What we see with many businesses is that they've never gotten marketing to work consistently and the marketing they do doesn't meaningfully impact their bottom line. Data approaches it differently by partnering with clients for long-term, sustainable marketing solutions. They start with a consultative, crawl-walk-run approach that helps you scale your marketing efforts naturally. Data provides marketing for the long-time success of your business to tell your story in a compelling way and to make sure the value you bring is apparent to everyone. Go to data.com for more information. That's D-A-Y-T-A dot com. TrustPoint will design and manage a 401k plan that fits your company's needs. They handle everything from record keeping and investments to employee education and ongoing administration. And they take on the highest level of fiduciary responsibility to ensure your 401k plan is compliant. You already have plenty to keep you up at night. Your 401k plan should not be one of them. Visit TrustPointInc.com for more details. For business owners, it can be overwhelming to start planning a transition or exit strategy, but it's so important to avoid unwanted outcomes and unexpected tax bills. The CPAs at JAK, John A. Knutson & Company, can guide you and help make sense of the numbers. Our firm was established over 90 years ago, and we've assisted countless companies with ownership transitions. Leaving your business is a process that takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at jakcpa.com. That's jakcpa.com. Hey, everybody. We're here today with author, speaker, and growth strategist Mike Huey. Mike, so good to have you on the show. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I've uh, been watching and talking with you for years, and yeah. I'm like, someday I want to be on Poise for Exit Thank podcast, you. so it's, I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm so glad you are, and this is such a hot topic. We haven't talked about sales for a long time. I know that you bring a very interesting angle to the whole conversation, and uh, like I said before the show, many times over the years, the clients that I've worked with really struggle with not only managing their salespeople, but putting together good processes and systems to set them up for success. 
And I know we're going to be talking about that today. But, you know, here you are, the founder and president of Scalable Sales Solutions. And I'm excited to hear about your solutions. But before we do that, I'd just like to have you share with us a little bit about your background. And why did you choose sales? I'd like to know that, too, because sales isn't for everybody. So No, no, that's good. I've been in sales for over 30 years. Um, Sales was in my family, I think. My dad, you know know my dad. You may recall. We don't need to talk Mm -hmm. about that. But... He taught me uh, starting at 10 years old, start selling. And mm. so I had a paper route and all that stuff. Uh, so selling was how I got through school, paid paid the bills. Um, but then from selling, I went into sales management. I've been in sales management for probably 20 years. And I've been scaling companies for probably 10, 15 years. Mm. So that's the background uh, that I have, at least why I do it. Um, and I tell people sales is pretty easy. It's not that hard. It's just uh, telling people what they need in a genuine way, that's that's all it is. It really is, isn't it? It's yeah. about like uh, building a relationship and yeah, and helping them, like Zig Ziglar used to say, helping people get what they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are uh, in your mind, like when we we're kind of looking at this through um, a positioning lens, right? Because so yeah. many of our listeners are business owners who are looking at a future exit of some kind at some time. And then, you know, a lot of the other listeners as well are advisors who work with these clients. And so having some of this information is going to be helpful for them. But let's maybe start with what you see as some of the biggest mistakes um, when, a, when an owner is preparing for a sale, a future sale. Uh, what are some of the things that don't necessarily fit together on the sales side? Yeah, I think a lot of times uh, owners, they, they fall into one of two buckets. The one bucket is the owners who really know their the operation side of their business, boy, they can, you know, if they, whether it's manufacturing or IT or, you know, we've used a variety, I've even worked with space companies. Mm. Um, you know, they really know that engineering part of the world and they know how to systemize that, but they have no idea how to systemize sales and they don't think they can. And they think it's kind of the, that soft skill stuff, but it's not, it can mm. be systemized. It can be processed. Mm. So having a system to be able to document that, that's one of the mistakes I think they make. On the other side, I see business owners, they're the other side. They know how to sell. They could sell everything to anybody. And because of that, they put a system around themselves versus around a process. So now it makes it really difficult to sell that company because the company's based around that personality or that person with sales skills. And they have not learned how to repeat themselves or scale themselves. And even when they do, they make a sales team they still become the sales manager. They're not, I think what business owners really need to do, as you know, is to become the visionary, become the person who's working in the business, not on the business. Mm -hmm. And so those are the two mistakes, either not having processes or, or, or trying to do it all themselves. And I've seen both for sure. And, and unfortunately then what it does is, um, creates more anxiety and more things to stay up at night over, right? When you're right. the owner and uh, when you've got people that, well, I mean, when, when you're a really good salesperson, you do want some autonomy and, and you do like to, you know, create your own style, right? So right. to your point about kind of building the process around the person, but then when that person decides that the grass is greener somewhere else, they take it all with them. Yep. And then you really don't have a process after all. You hire somebody new, print a bunch of business cards. The owner just says, go sell something, and then they can't because they haven't been set up right. Right. right? No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's what I've seen. And it's frustrating for the sales business owner who's great at sales. 
they're always frustrated. How come these people can't sell like I do? Yeah. How come? How And they're just frustrated. Yeah. And now go to a new business buyer and try to say, hey, come in, buy my business. Of course, nobody can sell like I can. Yeah. You know, that's just not a great right. position to be in. Yeah, we call that owner dependency. It's very common. Yeah. Uh, that is one area where owners tend to be, or the business tends to be dependent on them. There's yep. other areas, but sales is, is another really big one. Sure. You know, to your point about you got people that are very tech savvy and operations savvy, but then on the flip side, they're really great at sales. Um, some other owners are, right? And then, yep. you know, they if they step away, then, you know, half the monthly revenue steps away or more. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things I see some people depend on, especially if they're more the engineering operations is let's just fulfill our clients and let's just keep working there because we have such a weak sales system. We're not out getting new logos or something. We're just going to really become an engineering heavy or a manufacturing heavy or operations heavy company. And when a business buyer comes in and looks at that, they're looking for not just how the company is, but where it could be. Right. And if there's no could be mm-hmm. available, mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a big problem. Yeah. It seems like the tech-savvy companies that are heavy into operations are, um, when when you ask them what their growth strategy is, a lot of times you get the answer, well, we just grow organically. Yeah. Like like the phone rings. It's like, oh, yeah. well, how nice. Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> but couldn't it be better, right, if we actually had intentional process and system? Right, yeah. right. Well, I mean, it, it, it does make sense. People look at, you know, to use lean manufacturing is, I think everybody, whether they're in manufacturing or not, they, everybody understands lean manufacturing. To use mm-hmm. that example... I mean, we look at what the waste is. We look at how fast widgets get spit out of the machine, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And yet people don't realize there's kind of like a lean sales system. You know, mm-hmm. how, how much waste is there? How much, how fast are we spitting things through this pipeline? Mm-hmm. And it is a repeatable process. Just Well, let's give us an example. What does that look like when you talk about a lean sales system? Yeah. What does that look like? Sales system starts with a repeatable lead generation process, whatever that is. Uh, you know, we're here at a podcast environment. Some people use podcasts. There's all kinds of lead generation companies out there. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely some kind of system that you've A-B tested, you've tested over and over, and you know you can turn on or off to generate incoming leads. Then you have a sales documented process step-by-step, just like a manufacturing process. It can be a spreadsheet with, you know, the whole flow chart. How How does a prospect go through our sales process all the way from when we first talk to them until we've completely fulfilled it and received the money for it. You mean you don't have everybody just doing it their own way like the Wild West? Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the days of a sales process, if somebody comes in with a box of donuts, I think is over. <laughs> right. um, and so yet there's still people out there like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Once, once you have that process, build it out into what I would call a sales playbook, which mm. means step by step, chapter by chapter, here's the links to our quote form. Here's the links to the video we send. Here's the PDF that we send at this point. All through the process, you've got all the tools. You could take that playbook, give it to a brand new employee. They read it, they use it, and it, it's ready to go. That's a repeatable process. Mm-hmm. But it goes the next step is you've got to have it in a CRM yes. so that the owner can look at any time and say, how many prospects do I have at this stage and this stage and this stage through our process? And we can look at that. And then sometime we'll talk about what are maybe the top five indicators your salespeople are being accountable or not. But any kind of sales system Mm -hmm. versus a manufacturing process, 
you've got to make sure you've got accountability of your employees. Every employee in the shop should have mm -hmm. accountability. I think I, you've referred to EOS in the past, and I'm sure you've had EOS on your accountability. Everybody should have a number. Yes. Everybody should have a number. And I think salespeople have five numbers that they sh should track. Okay, well, what are those five numbers? I got a, an idea in my head what they are, but I'd like to hear sure. from you. Sure. Well, uh, we just we're, we're kind of wrapping up baseball season, mm -hmm. obviously. So let me use a little bit of that example. Um, how many times at bat do you have? Mm -hmm. So how many times do they step up? Opportunities, meetings, whatever that is. Oppor you know, opportunities. Quote. What's their average hit ratio? So if they've got ten at bats, are they are they getting sales fifty percent of the time, forty percent, twenty percent, whatever that is? And you'll start noticing who's closing more sales than others. Sure. Right. Yeah. The next is what's their average hit? Single, double, triple, home run. What, what's the average size orders that your salespeople are making? You will notice some people sell more because they can negotiate better. They do better add-on sales, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. The fourth number they need to track is how often are those clients buying from that salesperson? Mm. Is it once every five years? Is it once a year? Is it five times a year? What it is, because you'll see that some people buy more than others. And then the last number that really helps give you an indicator of how well both your sales and your operations team is doing is what's your referral rate out of every 10 clients how many of them are giving us referrals and so those are five numbers that you should be tracking all the time um, mm -hmm. to be able to see do you have a repeatable system and keeping everybody accountable on the sales side of the world absolutely I, it's um amazing to me when i I talk to a salesperson, regardless of the industry, and ask them, okay, well, what kind of metrics are you tracking, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what's your sales goal and, you know, what's your lead conversion rate, that kind of thing? And they, they can't really tell me. They yeah. can give me a ballpark, but they're, they haven't been, you know, given the requirement, first of all. But then secondly, it's just, like I said, kind of the Wild West. And it could be just so much more, like, you, you know, with the system that you talk about, it just could be so much more effective, um, which obviously is going to affect top-line revenue, right? Yep. Yeah. So maybe you got a couple of stories sure. you could share. Well, one of the things to stay on to that, that's a story that will help really exemplify yeah. why you need to track those numbers. I remember we were working with a company that had six salespeople. Mm -hmm. They were they sold to uh, homeowners, high-end homeowners, like million-dollar homes and up. And the six salespeople, the number two salesperson was having a great sales year, but I could tell their sales cycle is between two to three months. But I could tell from the leading indicators, how many times at bat is he, is he having? What's his average size ratio? All the, those leading metrics. I was saying, John, you better get moving because in three months, you're going you're gonna to have a famine. And he just didn't believe me. No, my sales are great. Look at my sales. Look at my sales. Sure enough, three months later, he went from the number two to number six and number six by a long ways. Ooh. And so then it took three months to build it back up. Yeah. And so you got to be looking at those leading metrics, those KPIs, whatever you want to call them. Right. To see where, where things are going so that you, you don't have it. It also helps you, like sometimes salespeople, they're going through hard times at home or they're going through difficult things. Mm -hmm. Lead, seeing the leading indicators versus just what sales helps you do some preventative action on your key employees to know what's going on. Well, when you're on the bike, you can't coast for too long, right? You got to keep pedaling. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. The pipeline's got to stay filled, for sure. One of the one of the companies we helped uh, is a big distribution company out on the West Coast. Uh, they had a place in Seattle. And they brought me on to help them really scale into other parts of the country. So they were trying this, uh, a Portland branch. 
and it was terrible. I mean, they had no no sales process, no mm-hmm. systems, no recruiting process. Mm-hmm. That's a major aspect that a lot of people don't have is a repeatable recruiting process for superstar salespeople. Oh my gosh, yeah. And so you know what? By the time we were done, we helped them create a, a sales process. But they also had a salesperson who kind of was sales. You know what I mean by that? Because I tell people, salespeople only give us one of two things. They either give us sales or they give us excuses. <laughs> you know, they don't give us both, right? Right. And he was one of the excuses salesperson. Mm. And so we'd sit down with the business owner and I would say, knowing what you now know about this person, his name happened to be Mike also, would you hire him again? And with, I don't even think I finished the question. She said, no. And I said, well, every time you write a paycheck, you're hiring them to do that job again. And it, the lights went on. She got rid of them. We brought in a recruiting process. We taught those people the, the sales process. And now we had a repeatable system. Mm-hmm. And now that office is, is growing and growing and doing very well. It's becoming their flagship office. Well, that's exciting. I, I would love to know more about that sales recruiting process. Can we just... Sure. Give us a little sure. thumbnail on that because yeah. I think there might be some listeners out there interested. Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes business owners make, huge mistake, 90% of the time, yep. I need to recruit from within my industry. Mm. Big, big mistake. And okay. it's a big mistake for a couple reasons. First of all, most owners are happy hiring B and C players. They're, they're not looking for A rock star um, salespeople. They think they are, but they... By going within your industry, let's say I'm I'm recruiting, I'm I'm uh, in the aerospace world. If I have a rock star salesperson that's working for a competitor, why in the world would that person leave a great thing that they have built up, book of business, making serious money? They've got they've got their kingdom. I mean, why would they leave to start something unknown? It has to be pretty bad. It has to be pretty bad. So mm-hmm. B and C players are willing to move. Yes. Not rock stars. That's a, that's one indicator. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other indicator is that they say, hey, oh, this rock star, he's going to bring all kinds of, or she's going to bring all kinds of uh, sales with them. Well, people then find out, no, buyers bought from the company, not a salesperson. Mm-hmm. They bought that product or service. They might get one or two, but they're not going to get the whole book of business. I talk to a business owner and I'll say, if I brought in a rock star salesperson from a different industry, let's say your your sales are going to make about $150,000 in sales. That's their, their earnings. Well, we're, then we're looking for rock stars who are in a different industry that are making somewhere between 80 to 130. So they'll leave a great situation because they're making a career move mm-hmm. and they'll stay with you much longer. Uh, but I'll say, okay, if we... They'll say, no, 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 it takes some time to build a build training. And we'll talk about a 90-day launch mm-hmm. plan with the onboarding. But I said, which is easier for me to do? If I brought in if I brought in somebody from your industry, how many people at your company could teach them how to be a rock star salesperson? I mean, crickets, just right. like it's dead, silent. Then I'll say, on the other hand, if I brought in a rock star salesperson, how many people at your company could teach them the industry? The lights go on, mm-hmm. you know, because salespeople know how to sell. If we find the good product, match the match it with the people that need it, and we're good to go. But we just need to learn the products or the services or whatever we're doing. So those are those are a couple of the mistakes I think people make. The other thing you talked about a repeatable system is just start now, listeners. If you're starting now, pull out your org chart and start a recruiting process for every position in your company starting now. Keep your eyes open. 
and start just connecting. Because when you need it, people will want to uh, work for people they've already known and you've been networking with versus cold off of Indeed or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's super important to have a proactive recruiting system across the board. Now, um, last question I wanted to find out from you uh, as far as benchmarks when it comes to positioning a company mm. for sale, for a future sale, what kind of sales department benchmarks are the most appealing to a buyer? Uh, great question. I think the first thing that we need to do, we've already talked a little bit about creating a repeatable, documented sales process. If a, if a potential buyer comes into your business, they see a, a process, plus they see this playbook I talked about, mm -hmm. my goodness, they're, they're excited, they're salivating already because they know they have something repeatable. Next, I think you need to have a benchmark of having a CRM that is easy both for you to look at as a benchmark and your salespeople are actually using. Another story real quick is a mm -hmm. com company that's a client of ours, have been a client for a little over a year and a half. When I first was talking to him, I said, well, how do you know your, what's your CRM? What's your, he goes, what's the CRM? And I explained it to him. He goes, oh, you mean all these names that I have listed up on my whiteboard? Oh. And I said, just make sure your cleaning person doesn't wipe your whiteboard because your whole pipeline's gone. Ooh. I mean, some people just don't, they don't, you got to have that CRM ev right. and everybody's adopting it. So when a buyer sees that you have a sales process, sales playbook, a CRM, everybody's using it, they can look at it. Then the next thing is you've got this repeatable recruiting process, recruit, you know, and a repeatable onboarding process. And the last stage is get yourself out of the sales management role and get a sales leader in there that knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. My opinion, only 5% of sales managers know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, only 5%. Most people do one-on-ones and they, it's a pipeline review or it's an open, open uh, door policy or something. They're really not knowing how to actually take the sales team and make their skills better and better and repeatable. Once you have that, now a buyer could buy that business and actually scale that business and rubber stamp your offices all over the country or mm -hmm. franchise it or license it or mergers and acquisitions. However, they want to grow the company. That's a repeatable system. Well, I think that that's um, kind of the underlying foundation of our conversation today for our listeners out there. Uh, having a repeatable system instead of, you know, too much autonomy for your salespeople. We really want to rein that in, shore that up, however you want to say it. Because there are only two things, right, in a company that actually drive revenue, and it's sales and marketing that supports sales. The rest just sucks money out of the company. Yep. And so we got to have that dialed in pretty tight, right, if we're going to position ourselves for a competitive bid in the future. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing your sales wisdom with us. We will definitely be tagging you out there and sharing your information in the show notes for our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you can join us again next time.